good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. God is so good. He is great. It's, it's great that they sang a song about David because we're going to talk about David and Saul today. Amen. And, uh, and so uh, when they came up with that song this morning, music practice, I was like, ah, okay, that's going to be good because we're going to lead into uh, uh, a story that we all know. It's, uh, it's awesome being here. Thank you for being here today. And I will always forget, but I wanted to say thank you to all those out in the uh, interweb, the internet, uh, and uh, that are watching. And I was just talking to Brother Chris, and, uh, and uh, last week uh, I watched the services, and they zoomed in. I didn't realize they zoom in on the, the preacher. So bro Brother uh Roger and Pastor was like this big on the screen. And he said, oh, they don't zoom in on you. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because I, I, I said, it's probably because I have a face for radio. No, it's probably because I move around a lot. I think that's what we, uh, we were talking about. And so, uh, so that's good. So just stay out, Joe. Stay out. So, yeah. So one thing I don't do enough is, is I... I want to thank Pastor for this opportunity uh, to be able to be up here. I know I appreciate that. I know I, I appreciate the other ministers that 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 consider this an honor to be here to give God's word to uh, to teach God's word here. And I I appreciate Pastor Phil for his leadership. And um, it's just awesome that we get behind our pastor. We get behind the ministry in the church. We get behind our brother and our sisters here. Amen. Amen. Why don't you shake someone's hand before you are seated? <clears throat> so as you're being seated, we're going to go ahead and get right in uh, the message so I don't go over uh, my time by much. Uh, David loved to praise the Lord. I mean, we know that, right? We, we know that he wrote a bunch of psalms about it, that, uh, that he talked about praising the Lord. It's for me and my house. We're, or, you know, we're going to praise the Lord. We're going to do this. Give ear to my a word, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. He loved to praise God. That was uh, Psalm 5. And he wrote about it. So we know he loved to praise the Lord. In the countless Hours as a shepherd alone, keeping and protecting his father's sheep, David experienced knowing the joy of God's presence and the thrill of God's power. Remember the lion and the bear. David's experience with God in those lonely fields had made him a worshiper. How many wants to be a worshiper? Just worshiping God. God inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible says the praises of Israel when they begin to worship him. God inhabit their praise. And that's what worshiping and praising God in spirit and in truth will do. And then one day a messenger came while he was out in the fields. And he was called to stand before the prophet Samuel. And an unthinkable thing happened. We all know what it is. But maybe somebody out there in, in the audience, out there in the ether, doesn't, doesn't. He was anointed king by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. When was that going to happen? It was going to happen a little bit further down the road. 
a shepherd would be king. So after David's shock and surprise, as you can imagine, he was finally alone again. And what did he do? He began, like he always has done, done in the past, praise God and worship God and give him praise for such a blessing and such an honor. Time passed, and then another messenger came to David. This time it was a message from the king. King Saul commands you to come at once to his court to play your lyre for him. Uh, David was also a musician, and so he would play his little flute or little, the pipe that he called a lyre. I believe it's called that. Uh, and calling him, really, the king wants me? Does he know who I am? Now, for all you theologians out there, there is, uh, there is a little bit of Bible trivia in here because some people think that this was after David slew the giant, and some people think it was before he slew the giant. So if you ever did a study, you'll realize that Saul didn't know who David was at first when before he slew the giant. So, so you can go back and do a study on your, your own. But we're, what we're going to do today is kind of do it in biblical, uh, the timeline as the Bible says it. Why did I say that? Because this is a, le- a teaching lesson. Just get you to understand, hey, I need to go back and look at that to see if he's, he's just making it up or not. And then text me later on. If you don't have my number, text uh, uh, Brother Locke. In fact, wait till midnight. Nowadays, uh, they have that sleeping thing, right? Notifications are turned off. I, uh, my sister's in Guatemala with her friend, and she's like, hey, can you guys t- text my kids and tell them I don't have signal here? All I have is Wi-Fi, and they're not in blah, blah. So I go to text, and my, my niece, Charlotte, she has notifications turned off. I was like, well, what am I doing? Because I've never really done that. But you can go ahead and do it anyways, and they should get it. So I told her her mom was being attacked by a panther in Guatemala, and so she's, she's kind of naive, and she's like, she called me. Really? Not only that, but I, I saw the video of this thing up in the tree. It wasn't a panther. It was a, actually a big monkey, and I thought it was a panther. And so, anyways, boy, we are off track this morning. So a shepherd gets anointed king. He gets called in front of Saul, the king, the current king, and he would become a court musician, one step closer to the throne. He praised the Lord for this favor that God has bestowed on him. David continued uh, to faithfully serve his father and his king. I want to give you a synopsis before I go into the main part of the story, is that David respected and trusted King Saul as as you would towards a leader. However, at first Saul subtly, he, he very quietly and subtly grew jealous of David, but then Saul started acting strange, as we read in the Bible, and he became enraged at David so much that he tried to kill David. But there's a wonderful testimony in this as well, if I can just explain, that is David never blamed God for his circumstances. And he continued to honor Saul, the current, the leader. Now, he was going to replace, and we all know the story of the cave, and he could, kill, he could have killed Saul, but he respected that. 
No matter how much Saul was jealous and angry and wanted to kill him, he still honored that man. So a smooth, um, eventually, eventually Saul was removed from the picture, and it wasn't smooth, and there's usually two ways that this happens. A smooth transition, or as we see with King Saul, and we're going to go into that in a little bit, a reluctance to, uh, a reluctance to relinquish something that he had held on to for a long time. Whether it be a company or a, or a church position, there's always usually two ways it goes, smooth or very difficult. I have heard about this, and I've seen this happen in real life. If you've been around in church or in the business world, you've probably have heard about these takeovers and uh, these things that they, when they don't go smoothly, it hurts the company, it hurts the church, and when it does go smoothly, it just awesome. It's amazing. And I was thinking about my company I work for was Lee Memorial. And uh, uh, Jim Nathan was the, uh, the, the president of uh, Lee Memorial. And uh, uh, Anthony, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, Anthony came in, a, a new guy. He came in and uh, he became president. And you didn't hear anything about this except what the news covered because of the smooth transition. And I thought about that. How many people could have been hurt by a transition that they relied on Jim Nathan for so long, and this new guy comes in and he takes over, even though the new guy had been a doctor there for many years. And I thought about God and how God, how David and Saul's situation could have gone over smoothly, but it didn't. And we're going to talk about that in just uh, right now, actually. So after David killed uh, Goliath, King Saul could not get over his jealousy of David. He heard the women singing, hey, Saul slain thousands, but David his ten thousands. The seed of murderous envy was planted in Saul's heart that day, and it did not take long for it to spring up. An evil spirit, we, we know this story, right? An evil spirit came up upon Saul while David was playing, and he took his spear to pin him against the wall. And his hatred, David, was so evident that Jonathan, Saul's son, even intervened and went, stood in and said, hey, David, you need to go. You need to flee right now. Give it some time. Go. And then David made a risky decision. He went to the city of Gath, which was a Philistine city. Guess who, who his enemies were? The Philistines. So he went into this known city, and, uh, and he, he thought maybe he wouldn't be known, but he was wrong. He made a mistake. And probably posters were up everywhere. Wanted, dead or alive, this guy that killed Goliath, the Philistine. So they knew him, and they knew David as a mighty captain in Israel. See, David's uh, fame, if you will, his, his, his testimony, his events that transpired, they, they had already started filtering through the districts and the countries and the cities. So they knew him. They even knew uh, to call him the king of the land. They knew exactly who he was. See, when God... God puts a purpose or a plan in your life, everybody sees it. Why do they apologize at work when they swear in front of you? Why, oh, no, this isn't for your ears. Why are you saying it then? Do you want me to walk away or can you guys just walk away? 
you know, why, why this? Because God touches and he blesses his anointed. Amen. And he, he gives them a testimony, amen, of just being and living for God. That's their testimony. And see, what it is, it, it's kind of like, I think, I think God works like this. Uh, when you guys, there's whether studies, pastor, you're really into studies, right? So, you know, when somebody says something wrong, you remember that, right? You remember that. And people remember what you did wrong. But when you're a Christian, it, like uh, Bishop was talking about the other, the, a few weeks ago, it amplifies in the world, and they see it. And that's good and bad. It's good that they see that you're a Christian, and that's a testimony. You're a light. You're shining out there, right? You're shining. So it's even more evident than even, so it, it's kind of like a reaction, like when you remember something bad. But as a Christian, people know that, and they remember that even more. Oh, no. I don't remember that guy. guy's a Baptist. Not saying wrong, anything wrong with the Baptist. I don't remember that method. Oh, Pentecostal. I remember that. I remember the way they look, the way they dress, the way they talk. They do that. And it's also bad in another way is because now, now they know you, and they're waiting for you to slip up. And that's why it's so, so important to understand this message that I'm giving you today, that, that David praised God at all times. In the good and the bad, when things collapse at work or you get have to work overtime or you maybe you have to skip like we did in COVID, uh, maybe give up some PTO, maybe give up some work hours, maybe not work as many, you still praise God in those times. When somebody's pursuing you, you still praise God. How many has ever been passed up for a promotion? You give God praise. So David was in the city, and he decided, you know what? I got to get out of the city. What is the best way that I can get out of the city? I'm going to play like a lunatic. I'm going to act like I'm crazy. And then the Philistines thought about it, and they said, yeah, why would a sane man come into a city for his enemies? And so they kicked him out and said, get out of here. So David did play the role well. In Psalm 34, 4, he wrote it like this about this story. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. The angel in verse seven, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth him, them. Excuse me. In verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. It, when you praise God in the middle of your your afflictions, your uh, adversity, your trials, your circumstances, God will deliver you. Amen. One of the things that David knew that not too many of us Christians uh, and even us ministers to forget is God did it. God delivered him. He acted crazy, but God did the delivering. God talked to those. He, because of his praise. And sometimes uh, uh, we don't understand that, that God did it. God deserves the credit. He delivered you. He saved you. He blessed you. He gave you a wife or a husband or a family. He built the church. He built this building that we're in today. God did that. Yes, he used men and women to swing the hammers and hang the sheetrock, pave the parking lot, but God provided. I think it's incredulous to hear someone say, look what I did, because that gives trouble. Saul. 
it starts trouble. Look what I did. You can't take this away because this is what I did. Especially when it comes to working for the Lord. Because there's many people out there. There's thousands of people all over the world. We're hearing great testimonies of Lexi over uh, there overseas. And I, I, one of the people that over there also, uh, one of our friends on Facebook, and I see his postings and stuff. There are many people, thousands of people sacrificing and building the kingdom of God all over the world. Just like you did. Just like we did. Here. There are thousands, if not more, individuals used by God to do the same thing that, that takes place in this church, that, that took place in this church. We have a beautiful building here. Hundreds of men and women called by God trying to take the vision that God gave them to a lost community. That's what we're doing. Or small, small churches trying to become large churches. Building programs. Renovation projects like the one we're going through, that we've been going through, Right? Please don't misunderstand me when I say this. God can do it without you. So why take the credit? Give it all to God. Give it all to God. Amen. I know that's kind of harsh, but I'm replaceable. You're replaceable. Amen. David became king. Saul was replaceable. Not only was Saul replaceable, but he, he started spiraling, spiraling down an evil hole. So how, can I, can I answer what I just was talking about, about this? Uh, we're going to be pointing to this example here we did it today. And the reason why people say they do it is because of what King Saul had, jealousy and an ego problem. King David was not only jealous of David becoming king and getting celebrated to, uh, for the victories, he, could, he couldn't let go of one thing, his past. See, he was king. We have a problem with our past, right? We have a problem, things that we, the devil will try to dig up, right? We, we have a problem with our past, and you failed, and you did this. But also some people have a problem with their successes in the past. I was talking to a pastor a few weeks ago about, um, you remember before COVID, there, you, could, you could just hardly see empty spots, right? I mean, it's, we're real. It's, it's real here, right? We, we, we do that. And I, and I made, I made a, uh, the point we need to get, go back to that. But, but you know, you never want to go back. You don't want to repeat history. So what we have to do is go forward. I, I could stand up here and say, well, we did it this way and we did it that way back before COVID. We need to go back and do that. Well, we need the same results, but it's a different world. So we can't criticize why we're not doing it that way. Like I brought up, I was like, hey, we need to do that. We're like, wait a second. Okay. We thought about it. We talked and it's like, no, no, we need to go forward. We need to somehow get back to having our community come in, our guests come in. And witness, we need to get back to that. And, and so how are we going to do that? Well, with praise, praising God. And the people that are here today, and some of you might have come in after COVID, but the people that are here today is because we praise God through our trials. Whether we are at home watching it on streaming or we were here, uh, musicians and, and pastor was up here and there was only like eight people in the church, we still praise God. We praise God like it was packed. And you watched from home, and you praise God like you just had the whole congregation with you. 
And so we are here. We praised him through these circumstances. So King Saul was not only jealous of David becoming king and getting celebrated for the victories, he couldn't get let go of one thing, and that was his past. He was king. God had appointed Saul. Did you, God, I mean, God appointed Saul. Saul fought armies. He swung a mighty sword. He was courageous. He was a genuous king. He was a giving king. For 42 years, he held the position of authority and rule. However, he forgot that God had appointed him, and now God could replace him. But he couldn't let go. His jealousy blinded him to what God had blessed him with. And so he did what many leaders have done uh, before and since. He would not let go and let the new kid lead without a fight. He wanted to give a fight to David, and we see that scripturally. Imagine how many family-owned businesses struggle when the founder doesn't want to give up control. You can just look that up. Google. Once I read that, I was like, oh, let me see. I'm going to do a statistics on here. The, it hurts a business. It hurts a family. And so we see David's problem similar, uh, stemming from a familiar or a similar fate. How could God use just a kid to rule a nation? And we don't know really how old David was when he began to rule. Well, actually, we do know how old he was when he began to rule. We don't know how really how old he was when he was anointed king, but he was young. So how could God just use a kid to rule a nation? How, Saul might have asked. Well, the same way God directed you, Saul, he'll be there for David. And so sometimes we don't understand that. That letting go is what God wants us to do. And, and not giving up. And sometimes we don't understand that even though we go through hardships and trials, God still wants us to praise him through this. And I, we wanted, the lesson wanted to do that by giving you that example this morning of Saul always going after David, always putting David through a hard time. Instead of forgetting what God had done for him or thinking that uh, he did it all, David remembered his past blessings and knew he must praise God through the challenging times ahead. So we can be thankful we serve a God who knows our fears, hears our cries, and delivers us from our troubles. We will probably never be in the exact same situation as David was, but we do have an enemy who is trying to destroy us, right? He never stops. He never takes a day off. He is always trying to hurt us. As 1 Peter 5, 8 says, the devil is a as of a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. But thank God we have a greater present tense reality. God is with us. The angel of the Lord surrounds us and delivers us, as Psalms 34 said. He is always surrounding us. As we hold on to that promise, we are, as Peter said, to resist our enemy steadfast in the faith. We wear an armor of God, uh, armor clad, right? An armor for God. We wear that. But the, he says, resist the devil and he will flee. We might never have to wear the armor, but we're always prepared for battle. We do not rely on ourselves in the face of our enemy. We never want to become a King Saul and forget that the credit belongs to God. 
We must firmly put our faith in God and submit ourselves to him. And in that submission, we must resist the devil. And he's going to flee from us. David wrote in Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Amen. Amen. I mentioned before the cave of uh, Adullam. It was about 10 miles southeast of Gath. And David made his way there when he left Gath, the Philistine city. Uh, it's described by some as a no man's land between the territories controlled by the Philistines and the Israelites. There were many new, uh, natural caves in this area, which made it perfect, a perfect place for someone like David to find refuge from an enemy like Saul and his army who were seeking to kill David. So here in this cave, Dan, uh, David's family heard that he had gone there and they joined him. They also feared Saul. After all, even if Saul couldn't easily get to David, he could easily get to his family, either to imprison them or kill them. So one of the things I got out of this, mes this message here in this particular part is the devil is still attacking men or women of God through their families or vice versa. When a Saul is on the rampage, the families are affected too. There are some of us here tonight with kids not in church, right? And so I, I, I have to understand that I did my best raising them, right? I, I wanted to, I needed, I did, I brought them to church. They can complain and say, you made us go to church. And I, I will say, if we weren't in church, I would have made you go fishing. I would have made you go to the park, the library with me. I would have made you do, because that's what families do. And, and I understand that the devil, though, continues to, or continued to try to take the kids out of the church. They continue to. And so I understand when I was reading this that how families are affected by the devil trying to get to the leadership of the family. And you have to be careful and stay prayed up, and you have to pray through. But even still, sometimes you might lose that battle. But you have to keep the faith and stay strong and say, you know what? I'm not going to kill you, Saul. I'm not going to kill you for this situation that we're in because I honor you too much. I, I'm not going to do that. God, I understand that you control everything in my life, and I try to do the best I can, but I am not going to not kill. I'm not going to give up. That's what I mean by that, by Saul. I'm not going to give up on God because I honor and I love him too much because my kids are not in church, because my friend backslid. Or, my, or one of our favorite couples that pastored a church are now just out or gone. Or family members that have done that. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up and give in to that temptation. So family members, friends, and associates are also affected. So other, others soon joined David as well. 
the men, remember there's a, a, like a motley crew that came, right? They followed him. First Samuel 22, 2 says, and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, David, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. These 400 men had not prospered under Saul's rule. Life in Saul's kingdom had brought them nothing but bitterness and discontent. Remember that old school, old school game of follow the leader? You ever play that in kids? You know, you do what the other kid does. You follow around the playground. Maybe you never did that, but it's follow the leader. Do what they did. You are going to become your leader. Be careful of the leader you choose. And so these guys were not satisfied. They were, they, things were not going great with Saul because they saw what was happening. And so these outcasts were ready for a change. They looked around and saw nothing in their current lives under Saul that was worth preserving, and they decided to throw their lot in with David. The outlaw, David, had now an outlaw band of 400-plus ready to serve and follow him wherever he led. One thing we need to draw from this scenario is that a man and not God caused this division and unrest. Saul had it all, but Saul went off the rails. And things get affected. Just like, just like our f Satan attacks and our families affect it, he can talk, uh, kind of like, I'm, I'm saying kind of what I just said before. You, because of your actions, can affect family members and friends and associates. So be careful. That you don't take credit, that you give God all the glory, and then you won't become a Saul. There's kind of a twofold message in this lesson today. Because if you have a Saul in your life, you just need to keep praising God. And if Saul had a Saul, maybe he wouldn't have become a Saul. There's no reason to give up on God because of a person. Holy moly, that was me 30 years ago. I'm telling you, I, 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 sorry, I'm going to get up and leave right now because of my ego, my attitude, my jealousy, or whatever you want to call it. Maybe it was more than 30 years ago because we've been married 34, and I haven't, I haven't done that. I don't think I have. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, when you were young and bullheaded and, and, and arrogant, yeah, yeah. So I thank God that I don't want to be that way. So in the meantime, in the meantime, and I'm going to say we all, so I don't think it's about me, but we all have had people hurt us over the lives. And so you are here today because whether you failed back then or not, you realize I'm going to give God praise through it. Because if I don't, I'm going to become a Saul. David didn't give up at all. God protected him. God sent even a prophet, Gad, to tell David to keep moving forward. This not only strengthened uh, the loyalty of David uh, towards God, but it strengthened his tribe loyalty towards David. And his tribe began to follow him even more. This gave David reassurance that God supported him and he would not abandon him. Any hint of fear melted away and a rush of confidence and faith filled David's heart as he and his men set off towards Judah. 
What a blessing it is to receive a word from God in a time of fear, confusion, and doubt. When we are fearful, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and alone and not know what to do. One word from the Lord can get rid of all doubt and build faith. When we are afraid, we must pray and ask God to silence all other voices so that we can hear better. His word may come from another human being, a prophet, as it did for David. It may come as a still, small voice as we call out to him in prayer. It may come as we meditate on Scripture and his promises that he will always be present in comfort and to guide and to deliver us. But a word will come if we seek him. Amen? A word will come. We seek him and continue, just like David did. He praised him before the adversities came, the real ones. The bear, the lion, they were nothing. God, he knew, he, I'm going to praise God for this, and he did. But then a real adversity came, Saul. And he goes, I'm going to continue to do what I did before. I'm going to praise God. David was a man of action. He was a warrior and a leader of men. He was clever and he was wise. Yet when faced with enemies and trials, he did not do it alone, but found protection in the Lord. That was the opposite of what Saul did. When the prophet told excuse me, Saul to spare uh, spare the people in the battle, the Amalekites, I believe it was. And he told him to spare. Saul didn't. He took it on himself. I, I'm the man. I'm the guy. I'm going to do it. I did it all by myself before, so I'm going to do it again today. David did not take that role. Saul did not realize. All he had to do was realize it's not about, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a message I, met, I, I preached one day. It's not about him. It's about him. It's not about the man I had a mannequin up here. It's not about him. It's about him. It's not about me. It's about him. Whether fleeing from Saul or the Philistine king, whether surviving in a cave or traveling around the country, his eyes were on the Lord as he continually sought him for guidance and protection. And trusting in the Lord, David found the Lord to be trustworthy. He experienced it for himself, and he urged God's people to experience it experiencing it tongue-tied there for themselves as well. Psalm 34, 8, one of my favorite scriptures to quote, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. David found that God is near to the brokenhearted. David learned the truth. He learned a truth that can sustain us all through our trials and afflictions. He learned that God is always there to help. David assured us that we are never alone. God will always save and deliver us, even when there's a Saul in our lives and we comp are completely crushed by circumstances. Psalm 30, uh, 34, 17 and through 19 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and deliver them out of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Do you have a broken heart this morning? Is something not going on, something going on in your life that you can't control, that you don't understand? Your kids are lost. Your job's in, in trouble. You're not sure about circumstances. Your family, your friends. The Lord is close to you. 
the Lord is close to you and your broken heart. And he saves such as it be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. David's talking about himself as well as ministering to us also. He revealed an important fact in verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. There are many blessings in living for God, of course, but God does not promise to keep us from afflictions. Our afflictions may be many in this life, but David also revealed another important fact about afflictions in the same verse. The Lord delivereth him out of all of them. All of them. Having experienced in the promise, David began Psalm 34 with, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David did not praise the Lord for each detail of every affliction, but he praised him through the affliction. David said, I will praise him in the middle of my afflictions too. At all times, I'm going to bless him because he's been with me at all times. David didn't praise God for having the affliction, he praised him in the middle of it, as I just mentioned, in the middle of it. I feel that some Christians, and this is me going, going crazy here, some Christians feel like they need an affliction to praise God. I'm here, if, you, if nobody's ever told you this in your life, in your whole Christian world of 70 years, two years, or one year, you do not need an affliction to praise God. You don't have to be going through a hard time to praise God. If that's the only time you get solace is when you, or appeasement is when you think you're close to God, is when you're going through a trial, then you aren't praising him in the other times as much as you should. You need to stop that. You need to stop praising him for afflictions, but only praise him through them. Because they will come. David just said it. The Bible says that we're going to hurt. But we don't praise him for that. Thank God I lost my job. Well, wait until you get another job and say, thank you, God, I lost that job because now this one's better. That's, that's the way to thank him for something bad that's happened. Not, not, oh, thank you, God, for this horrible thing. I don't have any food or money or anything like that. Like that, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I understand what you're doing. You're, you're building your faith. God is taking care of you. Praise him for that. Praise him, Lord, for you being true and honest and pure and righteous and wonderful and faithful and trustworthy to me in the middle of my afflictions. Amen. I have only 18 more pages, but why don't we stand? Don't feel like you're living for God unless you're looking for some problems. You don't need that. You, you don't need that at all. We, we don't need uh, problems to praise God. But they're going to come. So praise him in the middle of your problems, as I mentioned. David committed to praise God at all times, and he asked us to join him in blessings of the Lord. Psalm 34, 2 and 3 says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
David called us to magnify the Lord, to exalt his name with him, not occasionally, but all times. Are you experiencing favor right now? Is your life overflowing with blessings? I hope it is. How should you respond to that? Bless him. Praise him. Thank him for the good things you're receiving from his hand. It shouldn't be a challenge for the child of God to think on the good things of life and bless the Lord. But maybe you're experiencing affliction. Maybe sorrows fill your heart. Maybe right now joy is just a faint memory. Family, church family problems are probably the most difficult to get through. Amen. You ever had a family problem? It's tough. Where you can't talk to somebody? They're just the worst. They hurt. The silence. Why can't we just sit down and approach someone and, and resolve an issue? What am I doing wrong? These things that will come in your mind. Unfortunately, not everybody is the same as you or me. Some just don't want to say anything. Some want to confront. Some will run away. And others want to throw a javelin at you. How should we respond to these problems, these hurts? Praise Him. Bless Him in the middle of it. God is good. God promised deliverance. God promised that He's going to restore. God promised that He will be faithful and trustworthy to us. We don't have to praise Him for it. We can praise Him through it. God didn't praise and thank God for being hunted by Saul or for being un, uh, under arrest in Gath. David praised God for his presence, God's presence in the middle of it. If you get anything from this message this morning, I would pray that you get that, that I need to continue to praise God through my issues, through my problems, through, through Saul's just pursuit of me. Praising and blessing God in hard times can be difficult. But the very people that sometimes hurt us, our family, our friends, they are also the strongest that will help you and pray with you through these difficult times. And that's why it's always to have a great relationship with your family, to always, even if they're not in church, I, I love my kids. I love my mom and dad. I love my cousins. I love, I love them. I want to bless them and help them all the time. I love my church family. I love them at all because I need them. I, 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 I want to praise God through it, but I also want them to help me praise God through my difficulties. Only doing this will we taste and see that God is indeed good. Even in affliction, he does bless and deliver those who trust him. So when we experience this for ourselves, and I'm just finishing up right now, then God can powerfully use us to come alongside those who are suffering and speak a word of encouragement to them and telling them, praise him, Brother Andy, praise him. Seek him, Sister Delilah. Seek him in trouble. He will hear you, and he will deliver you from all your fears. Why don't we lift up our hands and our voices right now and praise him. God, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You are mighty, Jesus, in this place.
Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Amen. Remember to praise God. Amen. At all times. Amen. God bless you. Amen.